Uh, following uh, John's preaching, he, he used many parables uh, um, to describe and to explain both the nature and the character of the kingdom of God. And this is just one of them uh, here in, in, in Mark's Gospel. And it is, as I say, short. J.C. Ryle says about this, the parable contained in these verses is short. So obvious. Only recorded in Mark's Gospel. But one, but one that ought to be deeply interesting to all who have reason to hope that they are true Christians. So I'm taking it that that's the vast majority of us gathered here. Um, one that ought to be deeply interested to all who have reason to hope that they are true Christians. And then he says, it sets before us the history of grace in the individual soul. It summons us to examine an examination of our own experience in divine things. I think it's a tremendous expression this, the history of grace in the individual soul. There's a history of grace that God's recorded in glory of each one of you, of each one of us. Um, so I start off, I, I, you have to think, I, I read once, make sure you preach the imperatives of the gospel. So this is, a, can you trace such a history in your life? Bishop Rao says, um, this is what we all ought to be able to do. So this was a, this was a time in, in, the, in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when he started preaching these um, parables, as I say, after John, John was arrested, and, and he said this when he, was, when he started doing this, the kingdom, the, the, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So the time, there became a, a time in God's purposes when our Lord Jesus was on the earth, when everything would radically change. The shadows of the Old Testament and all where there was so much truth were shadows and, and so were not clear. Now, now is the time, if you like, when the lives of men and women uh, would begin to experience, as trust many of you have and many of us, the, the, the more powerful working of the gospel in our, in our hearts and lives. So in this little th parable, I've got three classic in it, but it does break up into three, I think. Three headings. <coughs> uh, the first is, uh, as far as the man who sows those seeds concerned, it's a mystery. Jesus said he doesn't know what's going on. Um, the second is, uh, the seed eventually reveals itself, uh, and, and if you like, the potency of it, it's life. It, it actually it sprouts. And the third is the harvest time. It gets, it gets harvested. As I say, I was preaching at a harvest festival last week. If you like, it's a precursor to next week. <laughs> Whoever preaches next week, uh, I lay some groundwork, if you like, uh, for, for a harvest. Um, so first of all, as far as the man who sowed this seed is concerned, it's a mystery. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground... He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. So that's my, I, I, I study in the ESV, but it's very similar to the NIV. Clearly there has to be a sower dealing with all that side of it. Uh, the earth never grows crops left to itself. If I leave my allotment 
then all that will happen is weeds come up. Um, I've, got to, I've got to dig it, remove the weeds, and then sow good seed. The hearts of men and women and children are exactly the same. Our hearts are exactly the same. Because remember, Jesus is teaching us about the nature of the kingdom uh, and the kingdom in, in the hearts of, um, of people. The human heart will never turn to God, repent and believe and obey of its own accord. Because it doesn't have any grace. It doesn't have any grace. Naturally, like my allotment, all our hearts do are le left to ourselves is produce weeds. The weeds of sin and corruption. The kingdom's growth, so I, ch I chose that hymn, the kingdom's growth is, is a mystery. The seed sprouts, it starts to grow. But how this takes place, Jesus says, the farmer doesn't know. All he can do is sow his seed and wait and see what happens. Um, and that's, why, that's what the hymn writer says, I know not how the saving grace, God's saving grace to me has been made known. Or the next verse, how this saving faith he did to me in part. Or how the spirit moves, he says, convincing men of sin. Or as Jesus put it in John's gospel, he said, the wind blows where it wishes, you hear the sound of it, you don't know where it comes from, you don't know where it's going, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. There's this mystery, There's this mystery. I, I, I gave it a title, I think I've got it on here, I, when I started doing this, the, uh, the seed secret, if you like. There is a real secret um, uh, to, the, to the work of God. And I can remember the day it happened to me. I was never aware that there ever had been a seed sown in my heart. I don't know whether you were. I'd not, I hadn't got a clue. I was perfectly happy or content, if you like, with my lifestyle at the time. I wasn't one of these people who, who was in a mess, as many people are, before they turned to God. I was perfectly happy. I'd met, when I th I'd met the girl I hoped I was going to marry. I'd got, I'd got a new motorbike, well, not brand new, but I'd got a new motorbike, so that was, that was very, very um, pleasing. I had a good job. Um, it, it, I, it, I wasn't looking because I was in trouble, but some, see, see, somebody planted a seed in, in my heart, and I knew nothing of it until that night. I probably, I've said this so many times, I don't know if you can put up with me, but that, that, that night I was at a Christmas party, and the seed sprouted. I suddenly had this idea that I'd heard a man at college, one of the lecturers at college say, drunk and drunk don't get into the kingdom of heaven. And I thought, well, I thought that's most of us in this, at this party. So I, I, I like an argument. I, I used to argue like mad with, our family was an argument in my family. And I would argue with my father. And I jumped and I said, look, I've just, I've heard recently that Jesus Christ, it was Christmas, you see, whose birthday we're supposed to be celebrating, said that drink, uh, drunkards don't get into his kingdom. So I said, most of us won't get into heaven. Silence. <laughs> I mean, nobody, nobody knows what to say when you say something, when you say something like that, do you? And, but my, one of my friends, who was like myself, he was a son of a publican, that's why we got on so well. And he was also a biker, and we went in the same, and we went to the same college. Uh, and um, he said to me, "Why don't we go and ask this chap then what we do to avoid missing heaven?" So that's what we did. 
And he told us the gospel. And if within, what, three months, seven people in our family were converted. And then people at work were converted. God, through a seed that was a mystery because we knew nothing about it. This is, this is, this is what is so wonderful about the gospel. J.C. Ryle, again, you realise that I like J.C. Ryle. He says, grace in the heart of a man is an exotic. I'm not particularly literally, I think. What does that mean? What, what's an exotic? Maybe you do know. What's an exotic? Oh, obviously there's others who don't know. That's a bit of a relief. <laughs> but what is an exotic? Well, I look, so I get my dictionary out and look up. Look up what is an, an exotic. And it says... Exotic, originating or a character originating in or a characteristic of a distant foreign country. Perfect, you can see why I said it. This that was originating me was from a distant foreign country, heaven. Uh, and, and this, is, this was a, a, a God's work. Somebody had planted the seed. That's all we can do. But God gives the growth. God gives the increase. God works in our hearts. So again, I come back to the imperatives of the God. Do you know anything about this in your heart? Um, is this, is this, has this seed of real life shown itself in you? As Rob says, there are no Christians without it. There are no believers without the work of God. So as far as the seed, the, the sower is concerned, it's a mystery. The second thing we can say is... I put as a heading, the seed reveals its potency, its life, it's, it's, it's how amazingly you know, fruitful it is. I would say that um, I looked up one or two things. For instance, did you know, maybe, maybe you do know, that there are between 25 and 30,000 species of orchid? That's just separate species. 25 to 30,000 of them. Apart from all the crossbreeding that goes on, there are, I thought we'll get some animals, where there are 450 breeds of dog, again, proper, distinct breeds, and then there are 400 breeds of horses. And so you could go on, if you could Google it, you know, you can get masses of information. Um, I can see, it, this, is, this is, if you like, the amazing fruitfulness of our God, our Heavenly Father. I think it's safe to say, I hope I can speak like this, um, it, part of our, it's part of our Heavenly Father's his character in which he delights. It, it, if I can speak like this, it makes him happy. He's so fruitful. Um, um, I don't really think like this. When the Lord created the heavens and the earth, and the earth it was harvest time. Because he said he created the, the trees with the fruit in them already. Um, and that's how the uh, the earth will end. It started with a harvest, and it will end with a harvest. It says in Genesis chapter 1, God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. So all the fruit was there on day one. So Adam had something to it on day one say the, the earth started at harvest time. So it shouldn't surprise us, should it, that, that, that when, um, when God created man, 
When he says he made in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. It wouldn't surprise us that he intends us to be fruitful because we're created in his image. And in so many ways, this, this is where the sermon, uh, sermon could, you could go off into probably about three different avenues. I won't do that. Um, there's, there's so much could be said about the nature of fruitfulness to us as, as believers. But God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply in the earth. So here Jesus teaches us uh, that, <coughs> that, that the principle of fruitfulness is an attribute and characteristic of our God and his kingdom. So that's what these, again, what comes out of just these three, three verses. And it's because it says in, in verse 27 of, of Mark 4, the earth produced, produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Now, this is an interesting word, this, 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 what does it say in the NIV? Um, oh, it does say by itself, yeah, same as the ESV. So, <clears throat> this, this is obviously, it's classic Greek, and it one word in the Greek, and I'm given to understand it means literally automatically. The seed does this automatically, without visible cause, apart from any human help. Now, there's only one other place, I understand, in the New Testament where this word is used. Uh, and it's in Acts 12, verse 10, when, when the angel came to deliver Peter out of jail. It says this, When they passed the first and the second guard, they came to an iron gate leading into the city, and it opened to them of his own accord. That's the same word as this in this little parable where it says, by itself. The, so the, as, as I said earlier, the farmer can't explain this. Um, if all we can say is when the seed gets in, so that again, the seed gets into my heart, into your heart, it knows what to do. We can leave it to God. He is completely in control and he will make of us what he would have us be. So it is in the kingdom of God. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. So our principal work clearly is to sow the seed, to water it, as Paul said uh, in Corinthians. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but God who gives the growth. So that's, that's the, uh, the, the, the prolific the life that comes from this, this, tiny, this tiny seed. And Jesus says, as far as the soul is concerned, he sleeps day and night, and that's it. He, he gets on with his normal life, waiting uh, uh, for the seed to grow. And this is how, <clears throat> if you think of what well, you could think of anything that you, maybe you plant in your garden, or maybe you have an allotment, uh, uh, or you know, you're, know about farming, the, 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 the tiny seed produces an, an enormous plant. When Jesus does that other speaks that other parable about the mustard seed which he says is the smallest of seeds but it produces them almost a tree which he says the birds um, lodge in it that's and that gives us a clue about the nature of the word of God when it gets into your heart and how important it is 
to continually read and listen to God's word proclaimed because this is where fruitfulness from our God is worked out in our lives. It's so, it's so necessary because the word of God is so powerful. I mean, think, of, think of it from the beginning. All God had to do was speak and everything we know was made in six days. And, 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 and as I say, how fruitful our, our world is, even our fallen world is amazingly fruitful. God's word is altogether powerful. Uh, and that word implanted into a sinner's heart will eventually produce fruit. Uh, and it, and it, it will eventually reveal its power, like this little seed does in, uh, as far as the parable is concerned, of, of changing people's lives. So we, that's why I say, how do we know what a real Christian's like? Well, Jesus said, well, by their fruits you'll know them. You'll know because you'll see it. No fruit, no seed. So we, we've got to be realistic. Um, and again, I said, well, so do you know anything of that in your own heart? Have you the experience of God's power actually changing your life. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discern, this is the, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature, he says, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him, to whom we must give an account. So when I ask the question, do you know anything about this in your life? Do you know anything about the power of the word of God changing you? God sees and knows exactly what your response is. So I don't hear anything. I do you, you know, you say what you think in your heart. But this is where uh, the, the active word of God comes. Again, we could go off and, but it says, it's like a sword and it, and it, and it de determines the, the difference between soul and spirit. Everybody has a soul, um, but not everybody has the spirit. The word of God discerns that. It comes to you and it sorts you out and it knows whether you really do trust in, in the Lord or not. So when I ask a question, God knows the answer you give that I don't hear. Uh, that's what the writer of the Hebrew says, and, and he goes on to say, and it's to him we must give an account for our answer. And thirdly, <coughs> harvest, harvest time spells success, I put. So there's a fruit. I, I wanted to read a lot more in, in, in Acts chapter 2 because you get the amazing fruitfulness of God uh, in, that, in that first sermon of, uh, of Peter. Um, as I said earlier, remember that the world started with a harvest and that's how it will end in our experience. We will all come to that harvest day. There's somebody outside, is there? Sorry, I couldn't help but notice. Oh, um, <coughs> we, in our experience, whether we die, as, as the song we sang said, or whether the Lord returns, uh, we'll come to harvest. We'll come to that harvest day. There's so many different ways of talking about the harvest, but I just wanted to say this as, as a concluding thought, if you like. 
A farmer, as I understand it, well, you can, this is quite logical, I suppose, a farmer who waits too long before going to harvest is going to suffer loss. But equally, a farmer who reaps too soon uh, will wreck his harvest. No fruit. The skilled farmer knows when to reap. He says, as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. This, and remember, we're speaking of the kingdom, so this is our Father's work, just like the, the seed growing is our Father's work. Harvest time is the Father's work. Um, our Heavenly Father never takes his people from earth to heaven before the right time or too late. It's always exactly the moment when the harvest is ripe. We never, if you like, die at the wrong time. I say this because recently a really good friend of mine, um, well, if I say this, he was, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer and given 18 months to live. They said, you know, like they do, they can never be precise, but it looks like the, what you've got 18. Now, he was a very successful businessman. I'd made, he was a city banker. He'd made a lot of money. He, he just gave everything up and said, well, I've got 18 months left to live. I will, I will sow seed, if you like, for 18 months and see uh, what God does. And he had some marvellous opportunities. When you dedicate yourself like this to, to God's work, God responds. Him that honours me, I will honour, says, says the Lord. And he did, and, and blessed it abundantly. Um, that was 11 years ago. And he died last month. He went to glory last month. And those 11 years, he packed. He, I've, got, I've got two, in that time he wrote two books, and I can let anybody who wants one can have one. He wrote one called The Big City, about the life of cancer being a Christian, uh, and how he had to deal with it. And it was a horrible form of cancer that he had. Um, um, but he, as I say, he went to glory, he went to glory last month. The Lord took him home. His exit from the world was exactly the right time because our great, if you like, husbandman never cuts the corn till it's ripe. And so you'll be in this long, if you're, in, if you're his, you'll be in this world as long as he determines and that's, and that's um, such a blessing. So Matthew, um, Jesus said in another, uh, another parable, let them both grow until the harvest and at half, talking about the wheat and the tares, and at harvest time, I will tell the reapers to gather the weeds and bind them in the bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. At that great harvest, I think we will, we will marvel at, at the millions, and if not millions of people that we will meet up with when we, when we get to glory. If you think of Pentecost, that's why I wanted to refer to Pentecost. If you think with one sermon, 3,000 people came to know the Lord. And then later it talks about 5,000 people. Even if it's not an extra 5,000, still at least another 2,000. The, 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 the God, our God is so fruitful. We live, I know we live under a cloud in a way because our nation is in a mess and the church is in a mess. And so we don't see this sort of thing much. But if you're in touch with the world at, the world at large in the world, and I am, it's amazing the, the, way, the way God is at work. 
So I say, I, I, I met a man, he came, he came to this country, he wanted to, because like I am, he's interested in getting teaching materials and books for, for back home. He was from Malawi. And, and he said, um, he said, 10 years ago, I went into the ministry and I had no church or congregation. I now have a congregation of 800, he said. And um, up until recently, he said, we, um, <coughs> he said, and what I've gone to England for is to get some material so I can go back home and train men. Because he said 80% of the population of Malawi is out in the villages and the small towns, not in the cities. They haven't got many cities. So he, sa he, said, um, <coughs> he said, I need materials to train. Uh, to train people, he said. But because of our stance to be biblical, because we won't go down this... Uh, it's even in Africa, in the places in Africa, that the, the, the sexual, ridiculous um, teaching that goes on. And because we won't go down that line and be more liberal, we've lost our building. So he said, I've got 100 people and nowhere to meet. So he said, we meet under the trees. Uh, and then he said, finally, just before he came, back, came to England, he said, some Americans sent him a big marquee but it will only hold 300 people, and he has to preach three times on a Sunday morning. And even then his voice was like this, you know. And he's <clears throat> but he said, God is at work. So please, please don't despair. God is at work. The world is full of new believers. Maybe not so many in England, but the world is full. God is ama amazingly fruitful. And we, we have to, we have as it was to, uh, to, to trust that God knows exactly what he's doing, even in, in our own strange situation. These people that heard um, um, Peter at Pentecost, you think to yourself, when you think you see a parable, I don't know what your mind's like, I think, when did, they, when did the seed, was the seed going into their heart when they heard it then and then immediately saved? Or had they heard something <laughs> like I did way back when and he didn't realise it? it it's fascinating, I find it fa it's fascinating to think uh, the way God works, but he works, that's the thing. Um, one summer, Paul says, another waters, but God gives the increase. So this parable, this tiny parable, sets before us the history of grace in the individual soul. It summons us to an examination of our own experience in divine things. They're Bishop Ryle's words, not mine. And to do this, for this to be successful if i can speak like that our lord jesus christ came into this world he had to shed his blood he bore god's just wrath that if we put our trust in him then he will plant seed in our life and will be his and the main thing is this that heaven will be open to us this is, this is the point there's a, if I, I, because this all happened a bit suddenly today, I didn't change, couldn't change all the hymns. We could have sung, I think it's in our book, maybe not, anyway. There's a hymn, one of Wesley's hymns called "'Tis Finished, The Messiah Dies." Somebody's just set a new modern tune to it, I believe. I don't know if you've heard it on your phones, but it's, and it's a good tune. Um, but it's an old hymn. <clears throat> but it has this line in the last verse, "'I see the bar to heaven removed.'" and all your merits, Lord, are mine. That's how fruitful our Saviour's work was on the cross. All our merits, all his merits are ours, and the bar to heaven has been removed. We can't ask for any more than that. We have an eternity of, of, of true blessing 
to, to look forward to. Uh, and, and I would encourage you um, not, not, to, not to listen to the enemy, not to get downcast, uh, but to know full well that our Heavenly Father is at work and he will be as fruitful, so fruitful that we won't be able to... It, we will get such a shock, I think, when we get to heaven that there will be so many of us. It will, it will be amazing. I have to stop. I'll, I'll stop um, and pray that God will... Uh, maybe you go home and study this, this little parable for yourself and there's so much more we, we, could, we could say about it. Uh, and, and no doubt it would be to our eternal welfare. So we'll sing to close.